can have your seats. The children can go to the kids' ministry. It's ages 2 to 6. From ages 2 to 6, kids' ministry. Just follow there at the back. Is it your pen? Well, good morning. Morning. It's uh, good to be back. I was telling everybody I feel like a visitor. <laughs> um, like a guest speaker this morning. But uh, anyway, it is good to be back. And uh, it's good to see you all. And we, I'm looking forward to share the word with you just want to give you some feedback about our trip to Malawi. Um, I think it was very successful. Um, we, we experienced an open heaven, the flow of the Spirit, just the synergy between, you know, the, we were three speakers, myself, Pastor Salvin, and Pastor Kubis, and we just kind of flowed together effortlessly can show you that we come from the same father in the faith, right? Um, so, but um, the people were very open, um, so surprised by their, their understanding and their hunger for God's word. The, the Friday, we started Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday we finished. Friday when we were finishing off, they said it felt like the conference was starting, and we just had three days. That was about the twelfth session, um, giving doctrine and so on. So, um, so I just want to thank you for your prayers, your support, your financial giving, um, those who took me through and so on. We know that what we do, we cannot do without you. I am because of you, and we, you are because. The Lord has sent me to you. And so we work together. So when I went, you went in me. Right? That is the principle of how it works. One day the Lord said to me, you can never separate a son, uh, the father from his son. Because the labor that the father has done within the son, right, is that which is, goes with the son. Therefore, wherever the son is, the father is also working through the son. You understand? So, the Father and the Son are one. And, um, and so, it, it, it brought me to a place where I was able to, you know, start um, coming to that place of, you know, being able to release people and say, okay, go, do the work, and so on. Because otherwise you hold on to them. So, it was another crucial, uh, you know, stage of my life where the Lord worked that into me. But um, I just want you to know that the fruit that we have there is a fruit that you are partakers of. Right? You, you need to understand that. And whatever you do, we also have fruit in that. So thank you so much for, for um, you know, participating and supporting in that work. Okay, so 
let's get into this message. Um, is my eldest? Right. So we're continuing with this message. Okay. Um, breaking free from the spirit of poverty. I don't know if you all, if, if you all muches for but, you know, sometimes the title can be, you've heard the title now for, this is now the 12th session. Okay. So we're actually getting to where we actually want to be. 12 sessions later. All of that was prep. You know, like those who are in construction, they prep for the, the wall that must be painted and broken down. It was all prep. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. So I hope you did your prep. <laughs> right. So um, if you look at my laptop, the heading of this message is not called Breaking Free from uh, the Spirit of Poverty. It's called The Grace of Our Lord Jesus. So, I don't know if Lynn knew I was going to speak about grace, but... Um, so, this is, this is where we want to be. So, today we're going to talk about grace. Amen? We're going to talk about grace. Turn to the person next to you and say, Thank you. <laughs> Right. So, uh, let's, let's read a, a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1. You know, my time in, in, in um, Malawi just made me realize once again the importance of doctrine and the word. Um, the fruit that they are seeing uh, did not so much come from prayer meetings, but it came from the diligent study of the word and doctrine. And so the aim here is to explain to us grace and the working of the grace and the different graces that there are. So, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we want you to know of the grace of God bestowed. Bestowed means given on the churches of Macedonia. The Greek word for on is actually in, right? So, there was a grace given to the church of Mac churches of Macedonia, but it was in them. Now, the churches of Macedonia, Macedonia is like, is like a country, like Namibia. You know, so if you write unto the churches of Namibia, so then you're basically not just including one certain group, you are speaking to different. Now, the Philippian church was in Macedonia. The Thessal Thessalonians were in Macedonia, right? And then there was another Berea. Now, these were all churches in Macedonia. So, if you read the book of Philippians, you'll get a, a, a picture and an understanding of that place, Macedonia. So, this is like Vintuk and Wolfish Bay. Philippians and Thess the Thessalonians, right? Are you all with me? So, 
The, so when you read the book of Thessalonians, you're also getting a picture of Macedonia, right? Of, it's like if you read about Vintuk and Wolfish Bay and Swakop, then you get a picture of what's happening in Namibia, right? Are you all with me? So, um, he says, I want you to know of the grace. So he writes, he's writing to the Corinthian church. And at the time of writing, he was not, he was in Macedonia. And from Macedonia, while spending time with the church there, he saw something. And then from there, he wrote to the Corinthians, explaining to them something that he saw this side, that was at work in the churches of Macedonia. Because grace eventually must also be seen. Grace can be seen. So grace is not just something that's in you, but when it is worked, it is now seen in your life. And so when Paul came there, he saw something. He saw the grace of God at work. Just go back to verses 1, please. He saw the grace of God at work within the churches of Macedonia. And from there, he then said, let's write and then he, so moreover, brethren, I want you to know of the grace of God that is in the churches of Macedon that was given to them. So why, do, why does he now write to the Corinthian church? Because what he is seeing here, the same grace he wants them to also walk in. Are you with me? He wants them also to experience what he is seeing here and what the churches of Macedonia are experiencing. So, he is now writing to them. I want you to know. And I want to explain it to you. And so he is explaining to them in chapter 8 and chapter 9 what this Philippian, the Philippians or the Thessalonians or the churches of Macedonia were doing, right, that that brought results to them and that was so evident in their lives. And now he wants them to know, so he's, he's going to explain it to them. So the whole chapter of chapter 8 and chapter 9 is actually explaining the grace of God to them, but, but a certain grace that they were functioning in. Okay? Why? Because there are various kinds of grace. Okay? If you did Bible school, you will know that there are various kinds of grace um, that there is available. Right? The, where is that scripture? I think it's First Peter chapter 4 verses 10. First Peter chapter 4 verses 10. Yes, that's I. As every man has received the gift, okay, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word manifold here means various kinds. This word manifold is used when the Bible tells the story of many people came to Jesus who had manifold diseases or different kinds of diseases. 
So this word here, manifold, is saying that there are different kinds of grace. Now, in the, in the church world, what we have is we have almost like a one kind of grace understanding. Right? When we think of grace, then it is the unmerited favor of God. When we think of grace, we talk about the forgiveness. We talk about the death of Jesus. We talk about what the price he paid for us. And we talk about how merciful he is towards us. We talk about one kind of grace. We are more talking about the grace that brought to us salvation. But we are not talking about the other graces that there are in the body of Christ. Okay? Because there are various kinds and you must actually be a steward. Are you reading it there? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So in other words, the word steward means someone that's like a manager, someone that's taking something and being a good steward. If I give you, if I give you a thousand million dollars and I say, listen, a hundred hundred million dollars is your tithe and the 200 Namibian dollars is you go buy yourself some food and then 300 Namibian dollars you can put in some petrol and 200 Namibian dollars you can go and um, take your wife out and the other 100 or 200 that's left, my sums are correct, other 200 that's, that's left over, right, um, go buy yourself some clothes. Right? So you are stewarding the thousand Namibian dollars that was given to you. You are the manager thereof. And based upon what I've said to you, you should steward it correctly. The word stewards of the manifold grace of God is that we must understand the grace and we must understand that we have received grace and that we must steward it. And there are various kinds of graces. So according to the grace that you have received, you must know how to steward what you have received. Are you all with me? Okay. So, the, and then one of the things about grace that you have to understand, that grace, if we talk about the different kinds of grace, grace is also a substance, as we have said before. Right? It is a substance. It is something that you read. Receive. And um, even though you may have heard this, let me just say it again. Uh, first, uh, sorry, not first John, John chapter 1 and verses 14, right? And this is usually the scripture I use to explain that there was something in Jesus, right? It was, if you think of grace as forgiveness, then you will, might not think that he had something, a substance, Something that he was full of, like your glass is full of water, right? If you say it's full of water, it means there's something in the glass. There's something to be, that you can drink from in the glass. It's a substance, it's not just, it's not just, so when you use the word water, you're not speaking of something that's just uh, like you're forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? It says, and the word was made flesh dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, where was grace? It was in Jesus. Where was grace? In Jesus. 
Now Paul comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. I want you to know of the grace that was in the churches of Macedonia. Right? I want you to know of that grace. Just as much as John wants to explain to us the grace that Jesus was full of. Are you all with me? Okay? So, if it's a substance, then you must understand that it must be stewarded. It must be worked with. It must be something that you must, you must understand how it works. Right? And so, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 10. I just need to lay this foundation quickly so that we are all on the same page. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 10. I think it's verses 10. Yes, it is. Okay. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay. So, before we go on, so we all would, there are, we all would like to say, I am what I am by the grace of God. But from where Paul was speaking, he was now not speaking at the beginning of his conversion and say, I am saved by the grace of God. He was speaking many, many, many years later. After this, in Acts chapter 9, he, he, he gave his heart to the Lord. He was converted. In Acts chapter 13, which was many years later, but it's just four chapters later, but it's years spread apart. In Acts chapter 13, he then gets sent out by the church elders. And as he gets sent out, he then is going now to plant churches. He's going to different countries and so on. And by the time he writes this to the Corinthian church, it's many years after Acts chapter 13. So now when he says, I am what I am by grace, he's not talking about his conversion. He's talking about how he's serving the Lord. How he's working for the Lord. What he's doing for the Lord. Who he is in the Lord. Many, many years later he's saying, I am what I am by the grace of God. So, if we think of grace just as something that forgives, right? And we do not understand it as something that is given to me as a substance, right? As something that is able to affect my life. Change my life, transform my life, right? Then I will not know how to work with it. I am what I am by the grace of God. Whatever you are meant to be in Christ, you will be it by the grace of God. If you understand how the grace of God works and the various kinds of graces that there are, right? Turn to person next and say, there's different kinds of grace. Okay, and it's a very important, very important statement that different kinds of grace, very important. And we have to understand how to work with grace. Okay, then he says, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. So, grace that is given to you can also be in vain. Right? You can have grace and then it never did anything for you. It's possible that you will find in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. We don't have to go there. You can go read it on your own. It says, receive not the grace of God in vain. That's what the scripture says. 
Don't receive grace and then it is in vain because it never works for you. So here he says, grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. In other words, what I was given actually produced what God wanted from that grace in my life. Right? So, I am what I am. I became it. The very reason the grace was given, I became that. By this grace. Okay? And then he says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace which was with me. So, Paul is saying, I worked, I labored, I went, I traveled, I preached, I prayed for people, I labored, I suffered, things were working, I did things, I labored actually. But then he says, but in that laboring, it was not me. It was the grace of God that was laboring, that was with me, was actually laboring through my labor. Are you all with me? So the grace of God was laboring through my labor. And this is a very important point I want to make right here. And this is where sometimes we, we, we get, we, we have these sayings, you know, like, like um, the grace of God will do it. Right? I'm going to relax, grace will do it. But I want, you to tell, I want to tell you that unless there is a labor on your side with grace, then you will never be what you were meant to be. And the way I, uh, I want to explain, I mean, this morning when I woke up, this, the message was just already bubbling in my mind. I woke up like that and I knew that God really wants to chat on this. Right? So, um, let me explain grace like this. Now we know that grace in, it speaks of that which is free, that which is a gift, that which comes to you uh, undeservedly. Right? Amen? Right? Amen. I concur. I agree. It's that. It is free. That's why it's called a gift. It cannot be a gift if you worked for it. Right? It cannot be a gift if you, um, if you had to earn it. It was given freely, but what was given freely has now to be used and labored with. Okay? So, the way I explain it, uh, I woke up with the idea this morning. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a tennis player, right? I was born with a talent for sport. Right? Uh, when I was in school, I could play any sport. I just, I could do it from the first day. I could do it at a, at a level that was not now of a professional, but it was already at a very high level, just from the get-go. Right? And I might not know all the techniques and so on. For example, one day, um, when I was still in primary school, so I decided I'm going to play some squash. I've never played squash before. And uh, my dad decided that day, the afternoon, we had the first squash, uh, what you call, practice in school. So my dad, I needed a squash racket. I didn't have one. So my dad brought me a squash racket, 
during in the morning during school time at break time i had to go fetch it quickly and now all the friends in the classroom those who play squash they saw this racket you know and that time we had kentucky and so on so it was by a moy squash racket right <laughs> so everybody's looking at the squash racket right and uh, looking at it and they and they're very impressed with the squash racket then they say then they say to me but even though you have the squash racket that doesn't mean you're going to be a good player right my first day in squash i beat most of the players that that i i went from the first day the next week i was in the top 5 right because i beat all the rest of them just from the first day so i had a natural ability for sport but that i never worked for never worked for it i was born with it i but do you know that unless i labor with the talent i will never be what i could have been so talent is free but becoming is labor do you understand that right so i would never have been so they even wanted to make me they even wanted to make me um, they wanted me to be on the national squash team to travel to england i declined and said no i want to play tennis i was more in love with tennis right so i pursued tennis but the level that which i had reached in tennis playing for namibia being number 1 in namibia and traveling to different countries and playing davis cup and those things that i took the gift that was given the talent and i labored that talent so that that which i did reach i can say if it was not for the talent i could never have been because i've as a tennis coach i've seen many people try to play tennis and i just said i don't know why the parents are bringing their kids for tennis for coaching because they don't have the talent right some brought the kids simply for to develop their hand eye coordination because it helps with it helps with learning and so on so but sometimes we don't have the talent right therefore you could never be a professional tennis player because you just simply don't have the talent but i can have the talent and also never be what i am meant to be if i don't add to my talent labor discipline devotion effort so so it's a combination so paul says i am what i am and he explains it but by the grace of god i am what i am and he explains it this is how i am i labored yet not i but the grace of god so you may have the grace to preach but unless you labor with that grace you will never be you may have a grace to do something but unless you do not if you do not labor with the grace you will never be you will forever remain at the place i have a free gift and die with a free gift and never be all that you were meant to 
You am what I am. Right? Are you all with me? I know I said that wrong. Right. So, so this is what you must take home. One of the crucial points that you must not misunderstand grace. Grace is not simply having received something freely and saying, I will rest and God will do it. If you rest and the grace wants to work, where is the labor with the grace? There are many of you that have a desire to read the word. Amen? Let's see how many of you have a desire. Okay. So Ethan says, good so. Right. But my question is, while grace has given you the desire, how much of you are actually reading the word? Because unless you labor, you will forever want to know and never come to know. You've got to understand, so we've got to work with grace. You have to work with it. You are a steward of it. It, it, it just doesn't, it, you may have it. I may have the talent, but nobody will ever see the talent Unless the labor is there. Unless I get on the court and start playing and say, whoa, whoa. You know, all that type of things. I, I, you're with me. So, grace, you have to add to the free gift labor. Now, okay, okay. Did I work for my talent? No. But did I... Labor or work to become. Yes. But am I earning? No. It's my reward for my labor. So you can't confuse work there with, with, um, Nehemiah's Muniverki. We are not talking about your salvation. We are talking now about a different grace. In your salvation, you don't work. Right? In your salvation, you are saved by grace through faith without work. But if you are going to be all that you must be, you must work. You must labor. Right? And so in that sense, to be everything that you want to be, you have to labor. And it is a substance inside of you. So guess what? This is why, this is how you can understand that grace becomes the power to be. Why? Because the Greek word for power is dunomos, which means also ability. So the talent gives me the power to become a professional tennis player if I can labor disciplinary, in a disciplined way. You have to understand that. You will, 
you will forever be waiting for God to work. Because you must work. Right? Very, very important point to take home. Very important point to take home. So, there are different kinds of grace. And we are talking about breaking free from the spirit of poverty. So, we are talking about a grace that defeats that thing. We are talking about a certain kind of grace. Now, whatever I'm going to tell you now is not a substitute for work, hard work. Okay? Work hard. Eight to five. Eight to ten if you want to. Just not every day. Right? You might be single after five years. Okay? So, eight to five. But work. Work. You gotta work. Right? You gotta work. It's not a substitute. Tell the person next to you, work, my friend. Work. So while we talk about a grace, while we talk about an unmerited, while we talk about something that that works, you know, supernaturally and so on, we are still talking about there's labor. There's labor. There's labor. There's labor. That's why um, I'm not trying to finish my message here. I'm just talking, building it. I'm not going to rush to finish the message. If the hour, whatever is finished, we'll just pick it up next time. Okay? Uh, it's important to get a point through. Let's go to John chapter 14. I want to exp- explain something to you. Uh, John 14 verses 10. John 14 verses 10. It's one of the ways it's going to explain grace to you. So remember, while you have something that is free, unless you labor, With it, it will never cause you to be who you are meant to be. So that by the time you get there, you can say, I am what I am by the grace of God. So, grace has a certain way that it works, right? Uh, In John 11, it says, believe thou not that I am in the Father. Okay, don't you believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he is doing the work. Okay, three very important words, dwell in and work. So, what this, no, you don't have to change, just keep it at verse 10. The word in, okay, allow me to just explain the Greek word to you. The word in here is different from in other chapters of the Bible or verses where they use the word in. For example, like pray in the name of Jesus. In another scripture, that word in is not the same in. Yeah, it's like if I say to uh, Enrico, I love you. And I say to my wife, I love you. I mean, we're not talking about the same love here, right? Okay? Right? But in and in. So, this, this word in, 
You know, as my uh, father in the faith likes to say, it's a very powerful word. <laughs> he likes to say, it's a very powerful The word in here, in, is a Greek word that, that denotes a fixed position. It points to a fixed position. So whatever you are in is a fixed position. Okay? But it, while it also shows where it's the fixed position, that which you are in becomes the instrument that is used to achieve a certain goal. So in this case, Jesus was saying, so if you are in Christ, then Christ is your fixed position. And He is the means by which you manifest Him. Without Him, you could not produce the result. He is the instrument. If I want music, where's the guitar? The, the, the guitar is like the in, the instrument that is used to achieve the music. Christ is the position you are in that you use so that you could become or do whatever He is expecting of you. So, but the scripture also tells us that we are not in Him only, He is also in us. But the place from where God works is not from us in Him, but from rather Him in us. So from where does God work? From in me. Very important. Because when we pray, we are looking for the outside working God. When the God is not working from the outside, the God that's working in your life is working from the inside through you. I guarantee you when you are praying and asking for something, you are asking it from the one that sits at the right hand. Aswar. I, I know because that's what I do. <laughs> I'm also changing my mind here. <laughs> I'm with you in the boat. <laughs> right? Once there is the storm. I'm also praying. But he's like, I work from in you. Where does he work? He says, what I am doing. Did we see him heal? Did we see him split the water? Did we see him do things? Did he turn them bread and take five loaves and feed a multitude? From where was he doing? Jesus was doing it. But who? He said, it's not me that's doing it. It is the Father in me that's doing it. It's like Paul says, I'm laboring, but it's not me, it's the grace. I'm doing it, but it's not me, it's the Father. It's a, it's a co-labor. It's a co-laboring with God. If you don't labor with God, right, then God cannot work. And so this word in, in, is a, is a powerful word. <laughs> right? It's a fixed position. You have to understand that God works from within you. Then there's the word work, which is like a Greek word, ergon. It's a, it means like energy, active. It's active, active. It's work. It's not chill. It's work. The Father is 
working, right? But now go with me to Ephesians 3.20. I'm explaining grace to you. I'm explaining grace to you. Grace is a free gift and it's in you. But you must labor. Jesus was doing stuff. And everybody was seeing Jesus doing it. And Jesus says, it's not me. It's the Father. But how many of you know, unless He lays the hand? How many of you know, unless He speaks? The Father is not working because the Father uses the body as a vessel through whom He can work. Because He is legal in the earth to work because He is in somebody. So, by you being in Christ, you have access to the heavenlies. But by Him being in you, He has access to the earth. You are in Him in the heavenlies and He's in you in the earth. Huh? The doctrine of Christ. Hey, I love it. Ephesians 3.20. Now look at this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The word for work is not the same word for work where Jesus said, the Father in me is doing the work. That word work is, a, is two words put together. It's in and work. Where Jesus, where Jesus was saying, the Father in me works. Paul got the revelation. It's the in and the work together. That, so, that, so the Greek word for in is en, en. And the Greek word for work is ergon, if I'm correct. Right? Um, this word work is en ergio. Which is the in... And they work together. So it should have read. God, now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the power. That in working active power in us. So what is he saying? He is saying God actually only works as according to how much he can work in you. How we got that? Maybe I should put it in a negative, then you'll get it. <laughs> right? God do niks as hy nie binnen in jou werkie. Hoe sê? Okay, kan die engel klaar praat? <laughs> Amen. Right? As Psalm. Right. Now listen to this. So, now this word work means there has to be an activeness. Act, an active. You may have the electricity at your house maybe, maybe on. Let's say it's, it's there. No, no, let's not do it. It's there. But unless you put on the switch... You will never see what is there. Do you know what this means about power? Power can be latent 
and dormant. The word latent means it has the quality, the potential to develop into something. Right? But, and the word dormant means it can be there, but it is not at work. It's like a dam. There's water that's just sitting there. Break open the walls and you'll feel the power of that water. So it can be there. So when we say the, the power that's in you, it means that just because you don't see God working in your life, it does not mean that there's no power in you. It simply means that the power in you is dormant. It simply means that the power in you is in its latent form. You have not worked, labored with the power. So that the God who's in you could work around you. So, you got to understand, you got to work it, baby. Leroy, you must have put that in the quote for the week. <laughs> Come on, tell the person next to you, work it. Okay, if it's your wife, you can say, work it, baby. <laughs> right. Listen, I, I only make jokes when I preach, otherwise, as next for they made call me. <laughs> Back in the old days, you call me Drobrot. <laughs> you know, my name was Droh. <laughs> oh, the, that anointing for making jokes only comes when I'm preaching. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> the power that works in you, you have to work it. And if you don't work it, you will say the Yeraverki. God's not working because he doesn't want to. God's not working in your life because you're not working it. The responsibility on your side. My talent won't work unless I work it. It won't give me what I want unless I work it. The administration of grace, the stewardship of grace. Are you all with me? The God in you works according. In other words, if he works according in, to the measure at which this, in, that, this stuff in you works is according to how much it, God works according to how much he's working in you. That's why the word energy, E-N, N, N, in, G, energy. Something that's in, giving G, energy. <laughs> hey, what's, what's going on here today? <laughs> hey, what did the Malawians do to me? <laughs> energy. Come on, tell us actually energy. Energy. Right. I can feel the energy vibe. Yeah. Come on. Energy, energy, energy. Right? In working power. 
So if God is not working in your life, it's because you are not working it. If it's not seen, it's because the grace isn't working. It's there. Just because you don't see it, does not mean it's not there. It's simply dormant. We say in Africa, it's dormant. Is it right? Or, as verkeerde translatie. What is it? Dormant? Right? I was trying to speak in tongues, but I wasn't working. Right. It's dormant. It's there. But you're not using. It's latent. It's there. You have the potential. But you are not. So what is your worst enemy? Your laziness. Welcome to the poverty session. The poverty session because if you are lazy, poverty shall come upon you. If you are lazy, poverty shall come upon you. So the grace that we teach is not a grace that says, chill. No, it's a grace that says, work it. Work it. Right? Use it. Labor. Labor. It will not happen. Right? So, singer in this chapter 8 verse 1. Let's go there. In my notes, that's the starting point. That's like my first verse. <laughs> right? But like I said, I'm not trying to finish the message. I'm trying to give an understanding. Right? So... You want to open this up quickly? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So now, remember different kinds of grace. There's the grace of apostleship. There's the grace of a prophet. There's a grace of a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. It's different graces. Right? It doesn't work the same in the people. It's different graces. And there, so there's the grace for salvation. For making your sonship a reality. Right? And so, I want you to understand, he says. I want you to know the grace of God. That is in the churches of Macedonia. Why? Because he saw it at work. The reason he saw it is because what was in them was working. They were using, they stepped into something. They started doing something that was evident and what they did made changes around them also. And he said, and, and, and he wants you to know that. Okay? I, let me. 
And then they just go here. Let's go to First Peter. We'll go back here. Sorry, I just feel that I must do this. Because when you think, one of the ways I can explain how to work with grace. Alright. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verses, uh, let's read from verses 1. Second Peter chapter 1 from verses 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next one, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace is multiplied how? To you by how? Knowledge. Right? That's why the Bible uses the word, the word of grace. In other words, it's just, while I was, it just, this scripture was just coming to me the whole time. How do you steward grace in this sense? So the, this is how you do it. So, so, the word has in it grace. Do you have grace? Yes. Do I have grace? I have a certain kind of grace that, that you do not have. That is just, it's the economy, it's how it works. But that grace is distributed by the preaching of God's word. Because in the communicating of the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grace is being multiplied to you. You then take that word and by meditation you are busy now with your stewardship of grace. As you meditate upon the word, the grace in the word, the spirit and life in the word, when you meditate, study, Read it, write it, listen, meditate, think. Oh, what you are doing is you are working with grace. And as you, as it now starts to open up, that grace in you is now increasing in you. Then as you understand that grace through the word and you start to believe that word, now this is the one of the ways that you now Steward that grace. Your belief in it, now you start going into work. So now you try to love it. And in loving it, you are busy pushing it out into you. It is taking, it's growing in you. As it grows in you, it starts to come out and it starts to shift the environment around you. So I have just labored with grace. I've stewarded, I took that word. I know that in the word is grace. I know that I have also grace. But I am now I have to work with this grace also. So as I take it and I work with it and I understand it and it opens up to me. And now by faith I try to live in the reality of it. That what happens is that grace is growing in me. And as it grows in me, it starts to what we call generate favor. Right? 
So, how did I start to see the fruit of the word sonship? That word son, that God is your provider, da, 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 and so on. I took that message on sonship, studied it, six years. Studied it. Studied it, studied it, listened to it. Oh, okay. Tried it. So, oh no, this is that's not necessarily how it works. Okay, try this one. Try it like this. Found the niche. As I found the niche, it started to work automatically. So, now I was living in the grace of God. Right? That's just a way of stewarding the grace of God. Your, one of your worst enemies is your laziness. You want to grow, but you don't want to work. Okay? So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9. So now, we, we'll, so this is, what this is about, this is about the, the giving of grace. Okay? The giving of grace. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So what is his righteousness? His righteousness is that he dispersed, he scattered, he gave, and that he gave to the poor. Right? And his righteousness remains forever. So his righteousness, righteousness is the design. It's like the blueprints for how something works. I was the whole time explaining to you the righteousness, you know, the indwelling, where does God work from. If you don't understand it correctly, you will not get the results. There is a design for how it should work. There is a design for how God wants to work. How does he want to work? From within you. You are the station from where he works. Right? In you. That's the design. He does not want to work from outside. He, that's why he dwells in you, so that he can be in the earth, through you, so that he can work in the earth, through you. That's why, that's why Jesus designed this concept called the body of Christ. Why? So that he could be not only here, but in Vintuk, in Swakop, in Australia, in America, wherever there is... The universal church, the body global, where he can work everywhere. Because he has a legal body all over the earth. So I don't need to travel sometimes. Because there is a body. But if there is not somebody that is standing up there, then God needs to send people there to build so that people can stand up and then work. You understand what I'm saying? So... Your righteousness. Righteousness is the design for how something should be done. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. A very important point that, I'm, that I am giving to you. Hebrews 11 verse, verses 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, 
through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So his works were showing his righteousness. Okay? Now this has got nothing to do with your salvation. Okay? Don't leave your salvation out of the picture there. Okay? You are saved. Right? You are saved. Are you saved? Okay, you're saved. But, but, as the book of 1 John says, he that is righteous practices righteousness. Alright? The Bible talks about all the paths of his righteousness. The Bible talks about his throne that is established in righteousness. What does that mean? That means that authority works by design. You know that even the president, though he has powers, his powers are limited by policy. So you may say you have authority, but unless you understand the design, if you violate the design, that power won't work. Do you understand? So, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. Right? He yet speaks. So there is a, there is a righteousness to things that we do. Right? So, that's why the Bible talks about you can be in error. If you are in error, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. If it's error, how can you expect it to work? So it has to be correct. Right? It's not a you trying to earn. It's you taking what you have in you that works according to a design. Come on. I'm, I've got talent for tennis, but I'm playing soccer and I say I want to become a professional tennis player. No, my friend, it works like this. You want to be a professional tennis player? Go to the tennis court, find yourself a tennis coach, let the coach coach you, listen to the coach, do the effort, get the right shoes, get the racket every day on the court, give me a few hours every day, and then we'll make a tennis player out of you. No, I'm there on the soccer field. I'm going to be a professional tennis player. You're not going to be. You understand? If there's an error, it cannot work. It's not a judging or a condemnation. It's, this is how it works. And Paul in Corinthians chapter 8 was trying to explain to them this grace that he saw in this church. He says, I want to explain to you how it's working. What are they doing? How are they getting the results? Right? It's righteous. So there is a righteousness to it. So for example, uh, let's give an example, some example. Genesis chapter 22. We don't have to go there uh, because I'm just going to explain the chapter. Genesis chapter 22 is the chapter where God comes to Abraham and he says, Listen, I want you to offer your only, the son whom you love. Your only son whom you love. Right? So, what does God ask from Abraham? What son must he offer? Do you think if he offered uh, Ishmael, it would work? 
might have taken Ishmael and literally killed him. Because God would never say stop. Because it's the wrong one. You understand? If God says, give me Isaac, don't bring Ishmael. And if God says, now if he took, if he took Isaac and God said, go to the Mount Moriah and he went to Mount Zion, I say, what are you doing here? This is not the place. Go to Mount Moriah. It's the wrong. You're at the wrong location. You see, so, so God is prescribing to him how he should bring his offering. Righteousness. Okay? So this chapter on 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is the chapter of how to give grace with what you physically possess. So, I'll give you an example. Um, go to chapter 16 and verses 1. Uh, sorry, First um, Corinthians chapter 16 verses 1. So, remember, we want to work it. Okay? It's like a song coming in my head. I hope it's not a wrong song. <laughs> work it. Right? So, listen, look what he says here. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order. To the churches of Galatia, even so you do. Verses 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. As God has prospered you. That there be no gatherings when I come. Right? So he sends somebody here to tell the people, prepare their offering, and so on. Um, is that clear in the scriptures? They're preparing their offering? Okay, verses 3. Now look what he says. And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. So in other words, he said, we want to take up an offering and we want to send it to Jerusalem. But because we don't have EFT, we need somebody that we can trust to send with the offering. How many of you know you want a man that you can trust? Not the, when you send him with the offering to Johannesburg, he's in Dubai. Say, dearest hood. No. We don't want that. We don't want, we want a faithful man. We want a man that when the money's in his hands, you know, it's, it's not going to get lost. He's not going to come under temptation. Them will I send to bring your liberality. Now the word liberality, the Greek word is grace. I don't know why they... Translate. Okay, it's one, the, I think the reason why they use it is because it's one of the definitions for grace. Grace is a liberality, a freedom. In other words, in other words, every giving 
Okay, so now we're setting the foundation for giving. Listen to this. Every giving that is done in the New Testament must be done from this place. Liberality. Freedom. Not forced from your heart. You determine, you decide. So, for example, if we're saying tithing, you must decide from you. Nobody forces you, but we teach you the principle. And as Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians, he says, I'm explaining this to you because it's for your advantage. That's what he said in 2 Corinthians. We're going to read it more next week. We'll read it next week. So, he says it's for your advantage. But so when you give, you give as what it is read in, in the book of Acts. It says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So my giving is not a receiving mentality. My giving is, I give. Right? Then will I send them and bring your liberality. In other words, in other words, they collected the offering and then when Paul comes, he says, I'm going to choose somebody and I'm going to take that guy. We give him the offering, your offering, your grace. In other words, the offering is seen as grace. Why? Only because the manner in which they gave was in the spirit of grace. They gave not looking for back. They gave undeservedly. They gave in a way that it was a gift to somebody. And when it's a gift, I don't look for it back. Right? So, so, and because they gave in that, with that heart, they gave to God, they did not give an a physical offering to God, they gave grace. So while they, that whoever that person was, while he's traveling to Jerusalem, he is not carrying an offering, he's carrying grace. So what is he a steward of? Grace. He's stewarding grace. When he gets there, they will also receive grace. But they also enjoy the offering. That's what that verse is saying. We must be good stewards of the different kinds of graces that happens. And you know what happens with grace when it is distributed? It has this unique thing of multiplying. But when we don't give grace, then it's just an offering. But it's not grace. Because that's why he says God loves a cheerful giver. Right? And he says, let us give as every man purposes in his heart, not grudgingly nor out of necessity. The word grudgingly means the, out of brokenness. It means, you know, that's why, we, that's why the first 11 sessions was prep. Because in the first couple of sessions, we said poverty wounds you. Poverty puts pain into you. Poverty makes you bitter. Poverty makes you angry. Poverty makes you hold on to what you have. 
Right? But, if you can deal with it and give with understanding, right? Give with understanding. Then, you can, you can create an environment in which you can live where things happen in the favor of God while you work hard. Amen? You understand? So, uh, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 8, and I'll finish off here. Right. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. You know, the churches of Macedonia was the Philippians and the Thessalonians and the Bereans. They were people who were not financially well off. They were people who were battling with poverty. The next verse explains that. Verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, there was this abundance of joy. And in their deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their liberality. That's why I said, poverty is a mindset. That the environment develops in you that says, my friend, don't give. Zula. (laughs) You understand, it's dealing with a mindset. But here, Paul is saying, I came to this church, and I said, wow. These guys are having a great trial. They are going through some difficulties that normal churches don't go through. And they're happy. They got joy. You see, grace is seen. There's a trial, but the man is joyful. Who? It's like sometimes people say to me, Yo, I don't know how you do it. You, you're looking happy, you're looking fine, and you had this challenge with your, with your son. That's a grace that you are seeing. There's something at work there. Right? Then, the deep poverty, uh, another translation will say extreme poverty. It, they, when they found grace, they stepped into something and, they, and then it caused an increase in their giving. Paul said, who? What is this that I'm seeing here? <laughs> Corinthian church, I want you to know of the grace that's working here. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Something's happening here. And in the chapter he goes on to explain how they came into that place of great joy in great trouble and in their poverty, in their battling with lack, they experienced. They were abounding. They were now starting to overflow in their giving. But they gave grace. 
That's what they did. They gave grace. And they took the example of Jesus. For the same chapter says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, what was he rich in? Grace. Though he was rich, he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. And then he says, and through this I want to give you advice. What did Jesus do? He took the grace that he had and he gave. But he gave grace. How many of you know, even though you empty yourself, he said he became poor. Do you think he stayed poor? No. Because as you distribute, the God who fills you, fills you again. Paul says, this grace, they worked it. They worked it. They worked it. So what's your first labor here? Labor to understand. Because in understanding, you will be receiving, grace will be multiplied. As you take the knowledge and you meditate, grace is being multiplied. As you then take the understanding and start to apply, what happens is grace now starts to work. Amen? Amen. I traveled to uh, Tumeb just before I went to Malawi and someone gave me a package for um, Clifford and Deirdre. And you know what? While that package was in the car there, that package came freely. I didn't ask for it. I don't know if they asked. I don't think they asked for it. It was just the person decided, I want to send them something. You know what I was carrying? Grace. What was I carrying? Grace. What was I carrying? Grace. And you know what? I completed that grace when I gave it to them. Now, these are one of the words that come out in the chapter. Guys, let's just stop there. I can keep you busy. I feel my spirit is just flowing. Right. Huh? Do you want me to continue? <laughs> no, it would, I can't do that. I think I've already been chatting a long time. So, the two, I think the two things that I want you to understand is this. You may have grace, but unless you work it. You will not see it in your life. You will not see it. It will forever be in me. And I will die with it. Having something so free to be used which was my enablement to become so, work it. Labor. You are not going to become by being lazy. The doctrine. I saw in Malawi how people who were poor had now, I wasn't there, Quibbles would tell me, oh, he says, 
if there's any grace in me, dan gaan hy hier werk. This is the proof I have grace to help people. They were poor. They didn't have, pastors didn't have shoes to go to a meeting. They would, didn't have Bibles. I, I come there 10 years later. Everybody's got suits. They've got shoes. They've got Bibles. They sit long hours listening to doctrine. Then, when it's time for an offering, you can say 95% of people stand up. These are people who come from poverty. 95% stand up to bring an offering. The doctrine shifts. You've got to meditate upon the doctrine. You've got to labor with the doctrine without laboring, brothers and sisters. You will never be able to say like Paul, I am what I am by grace. So labor. Right? Second point is understand the manner in which you must give. Give grace. I mean, I, mean how, I don't know how long we've been here. Not here in this building, but the existence of KGM. I have never really taught on money. Never. I've attempted. And then along the way, I get off into another subject. Alright? But hopefully I can finish it this time. Give. The foundation of your giving must be grace. Alright? The spirit of generosity. And so, we are, we are, we are maybe focusing on the financial, but you've got to understand that it is in many different ways. Are you going to give an encouragement? Are you going to give whatever? Whatever you do, do it in that spirit of grace. Undeserved. Don't care with someone because you want them to care back with you. That's not grace. You understand? The spirit. The spirit that must be, that we must, we must make this economy work. This economy must work. How does it work? By giving grace. That's why it's called the economy of grace. Because what's flowing in this economy is grace. Whether it's a physical offering, whether it's a prayer, whether it's doctrine, whether it's what, what's flowing in this economy is grace. Because whatever we do, we do it from that spirit of grace. Amen. Let's stand. So this is for your meditation. House Church. On Thursday, meditating on the spirit of grace. Now this is the third time that we are attempting this message. We had it in 2019 in Street House. I started this teaching on economy of grace. And then I did it in lockdown. And in lockdown the Lord said to me, Do it again. And I did. And I practiced it in the lockdown. And it worked wonderfully. We increased in lockdown. In COVID time. So, the, we must give from grace. And my prayer is that you would take what you have and no longer just keep it. And that you would beat down laziness. 
work it. Okay. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I know I woke up this morning just with my spirit and my mind. Grace, grace, grace. And I know that today you want to speak about grace. And even as Lynn has confirmed grace, grace. And you have spoken through Pastor Randolph and you have said grace. You have said that there will be an increase of grace in this house. And I think that's why we, we have this kind of behavior like Jesus that we must step into. Where I'm, I create an, a poverty, an emptiness, a pouring out that I make room for grace within my life. I pray, Father, that, that grace will be at work within our, in our lives. That, that in the same manner that Jesus gave to us grace... It's in the same manner when we understand what he gave to us. When we understand how we received our salvation freely, undeservedly. We would understand that in the same manner we should give and distribute. So Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and understanding. To enlighten our eyes that we may finally see grace for what it is and that we would become good stewards of the grace of God and so Lord I pray as we depart from here today as we lie on our beds may grace work may we sense and experience your presence may we as we sleep may it be churning within us like a cow takes the food and takes it in and takes it out and takes it in and takes it out meditating upon your word that we may extract the very grace and life that's within it that empowers us to live in Jesus name Amen and Amen Amen